2 Kings chapter number 6 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, Behold, now the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. Let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan, and take thence every man a beam, and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And the answer, Go ye. And one said, Be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water, and he cried and said, Alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, Where fell it? And he showed him the place, and he cut down a stick and cast it thither, and the iron did swim. Therefore said he, Take it up to thee, and he put out his hand and took it. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray this morning that you'd bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'd touch us and help us this morning. God, do give us liberty and vocabulary. I pray for a physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual touch this morning. God, may the will of God be done. Speak to every heart. Most of all, I pray that, Lord, you would be pleased with our worship and bless the invitation. Now, in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I want to draw your attention here uh, to verse number five here in just a moment. But before we do that, I think there are four things, uh, there are three things rather, uh, that makes this text so great. You say, what do you mean, Brother Gravely? Well, uh, first of all, I think there's a great project in this text here. The Bible in verses one through three talks about these sons of the prophets and how uh, that they have outgrew the place that they're at and they need, to, they need more room. They need to enlarge uh, uh, the space where that they are at. Elisha uh, had uh, certain schools of the prophet at Gilgal and Jericho and, and also at Bethel and by Jordan. And so he would make that circuit and go around and preach to them. And so here I believe this story takes place in Gilgal and they have reached a place where they have outgrew uh, the facility or the area in which they're at. And we see there is a great project in verse number one. Notice uh, it is seen in these prophets as the Bible says, and the sons of the prophets said unto Elisha, behold now, the place where we dwell with thee is too straight for us. And so these prophets realize uh, uh, that they've outgrown. You know, that's a good problem to have. Uh, when the building is full to capacity, amen? It's a good problem to have when you need to have, find more space and, and you need to expand. And so this great project is seen in the prophets. It is seen in the plan. These prophets were not without a plan. Look at verse number two. They said, let us go, we pray thee, unto Jordan and take thence every man a beam and let us make us a place there where we may dwell. And he answered, go ye. You know what I see about these preachers, these prophets in this text? They weren't afraid to get their hands dirty, amen? They wasn't afraid to go to work. Now, I wouldn't give you a plug nickel for a sorry preacher that's not willing to work. Somebody say amen. And ministry is real work, but I think before a man goes full-time in the ministry, he ought to know what it is to do some manual labor. Isn't that right? And these boys in this tanks were not afraid of manual labor. And so we see it in the plan. We see it in the prophets. We, we see this great project in the prayer. Look at verse number three. And one said, be content, I pray thee, and go with thy servants. And he answered, I will go. You know, that's interesting because uh, here, uh, these young men wanted the older man of God to go with them. They wanted Elisha to be with them. Elisha, uh, you know the story in chapter number two, whenever he first crossed the Jordan, the, the sons of the prophets were standing at Jericho and they said, the spirit of Elijah doth rest on Elisha. And brother Laddie, they looked 
looked at him and they recognized Elisha to be the man of God. In chapter four, he is teaching them. In chapter six, now they realize their need. You know, I think we ought to love men of God. We ought to thank God for preachers, amen. I know they're not perfect. I know they got problems like everybody else, but the truth of the text is this. We ought to hold them up. We ought to support them and we ought to pray for them and we ought to encourage them, amen. And so it's seen in the prayer, this great project, and it is seen in the progress. Look at verse number four. So he went with them, and when they came to Jordan, they cut down wood. They're making progress in verse four, aren't they? They're expanding, they're growing. In verse number four, I want to tell you, when you get in the ministry, if you're a man of God, if you're a preacher here, you need to realize when you get in the ministry, it's more than a shirt and tie and just preaching, amen? I'll never will forget when Brother Grant started traveling with me about probably two or three months in, we was out one day, we was working over at the college at the time and we was digging a water line and he looked up at me and he said, you know, I didn't know this is how it was going to be. I said, what'd you mean? He said, well, you said uh, you wanted me to come home to drive you. I said, I did. I said, all you gotta do is eat and drive. Isn't that right, Brother Blank? And he said, you didn't say nothing about water lines. I said, I know. He thought we just, and at the time, he thought just gonna be dry from meeting to meeting and, uh, and uh, not that he was afraid of work, but he just thought that's what it was gonna be. I said, brother, I said, some days you're in a shirt and tie and some days you're in a, you're in a hole, amen, filled with water trying to dig a water line, amen. I mean, that's just ministry, isn't that right? Uh, and that's the work of God and that's how it is there. And I think it's good, amen, uh, uh, to get out and sweat and labor and work. Uh, I'm telling you, it's good for your mind and it's good for your body, amen. I wouldn't hurt some of you to get out and sweat a little bit. Uh, uh, listen, it'll take a little stress off of you, amen. Uh, it's not gonna kill you, amen. Uh, and so there's a great project. And then there's a great picture in this text here when you come to verse number five. Uh, uh, the emphasis in verse number five is on this ax head, isn't it? Uh, I mean, when you think about this ax head, it's mentioned in verse five and mentioned in verse six and, and then it's emphasized in verse number seven. And really the ax head, is really the center of this story. You say, preacher, what is the picture? Well, it's a picture of a sinner and salvation. Amen? You say, what do you mean? Well, if you look at verse number five, the first thing you see about this uh, great picture of this axe head is that it is firm. Amen? The Bible said, but as one was failing a beam. Amen? I mean, he was chopping down a tree uh, and that axe head is firm uh, and he's chopping that tree away and that axe is doing it as a tool that head is being used it is sharpened and it's being used for what it was intended and what it was made for isn't that right and so it is firm but if you look a little further in verse number five you see that this axe head is also falling amen as the bible said it fell in the water amen i'll tell you that jordan water was muddy water isn't that right i mean it was dirty water and when it fell in that water the bible said the wicked are talking about this world. They're like the troubled sea. Amen. And that water represents the world. And I'll tell you that axe head fell in that dirty water. That dirty world. It fell in it and it sank. Amen. It said the axe head, notice it had fallen. But then you go to the next verse and you notice that it's floating. Amen. Because one runs to the man of God. He takes a little sapling, a tree and he casts it down in that water and the Bible says that axe head it begins to swim. 
It comes to the top of the surface. God reversed the laws of nature and resurrected that piece of iron. And that iron represents judgment in the Bible. And here it is. It's buried underneath all this water. It's in a watery grave. It's sunk to the bottom. Amen. In the miry clay. But because a tree was cast in, the tree that brought life, it resurrected that piece of iron and brought it out and it swimmed, amen, that axe head is floating. You say, what is that? I'll tell you what it is. It's a miracle, amen. And listen, that axe head was firm. It was falling. It was floating. But when you get to verse seven, it was found, amen, because that old boy reached out. That hand reached further out than what that head could get to and he lifted him out and he pulled him back to where he used to be out and put him back in his original state. You say, what are you saying? I'm saying Adam was created in this garden, in the garden, my friend of Eden. He was in a perfect state and he was doing what he was made for. But one day because of sin, you know what Adam did? He plunged all of humanity in a dirty world and he sunk to the very bottom in the miry clay of sin. He could not get himself out. And like that piece of iron representing judgment, the judgment of God is on every sinner that is lost without God. We were buried deep in that watery grave without hope and without God. But thank God one day a tree was planted at Calvary. And you know what that tree does? It brings resurrection and it brings life. And that's that iron, that axe head. It was sunk. But thank God it was saved. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you and I was sunk. Sin had sunk us in the miry clay. But because of Calvary, we've been lifted out and we've been saved. Hallelujah. There's a great picture in this text, isn't there? There's a great project. But there's also a great principle. And it's what I want to preach on this morning. I want you to go back with me to verse number five. Y'all still with me, aren't you? All right. Thought I was in a Presbyterian church there for a moment. Amen. But you know why I think about this boy, this young man in verse number five, this prophet. But as one was failing a beam, I think about this young man. He's in the work of God. He's in the ministry. He's a son of the prophet, and he's uh, he's helping build this Bible college. He, he's helping uh, expand this college here, and so uh, the, the, their college is too full where they're at. The Bible says, and so these sons of the prophets, this school of the prophets, and so they go down to the Jordan and they begin to expand and they make they make more room. And so he's busy in the work of God. He's doing what he's supposed to, but in the process, here's what happens. He loses his cutting edge. I want to preach on that a few minutes this morning, on losing your cutting edge. You say, what does a cutting edge represent? It represents sharpness. It represents the ability to get the job done. It represents this morning... Uh, efficiency. It represents uh, all of these things this morning. You see, if you and I are not careful, uh, we could be like this old boy. You know what he could have done? He could have just kept on whacking that tree without that axe head. But you know what would have happened? Absolutely nothing. Amen. He'd have just wore himself out. Uh, listen, with that beam just beating on that tree, and no, there would have been no results that would have ever come from that. He'd have wore himself out in 
the flesh. Uh, see, that boy couldn't cut that tree. It took that head. It took that cutting edge uh, uh, to peel back that bark. Uh, he had to be involved, uh, but there was a work in the process that he could not do. I tell you, he could have kept on beating that tree, and you know what would have happened? Absolutely nothing. The only thing he'd have been doing was making a lot of noise. Amen? And can I tell you, in a lot of our churches we go in today, that's all we got. It's a lot of noise. Amen? Uh, uh, they still got the mechanics. Uh, uh, they still got the program. Uh, they still got the process. Uh, the only problem is there's no results. Amen? Uh, uh, listen, there's a lot of people sitting in good churches this morning, but they've lost their cutting edge. Uh, uh, listen, all they do uh, is they go to church and go through the mechanics of service. Uh, they go through the formality, the ritual. They leave the same way they came, Sunday in and Sunday out. They let the problems and the pressures of life uh, bog them down so much uh, that they don't get anything out of church. Hey, I don't know about you, uh, but as long as I'm down here, I want to keep the cutting edge. Uh, I want to serve God. Uh, I want to give God 100%. Uh, I don't want to just go through this thing, uh, but I'll tell you, I want God uh, to be pleased. Uh, I want to see results, don't you? I don't want to just take up space. This old boy could have just blended in with everybody else and just kept beating that tree and made everybody think he was working. You ever seen anybody do that? Get up in the choir and just mumble, won't sing. You're just beating a tree is all you're doing. You say, well, I can't sing. Well, Ed Blue said every bird sings but a buzzard. You may not sing like a mockingbird, but you can sing, Amen. Just don't get under a microphone. When you do it, just find you a place somewhere in the choir and sing. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, some people go to Sunday school and you know what they do? They go to Sunday school and don't take their Bible. Can I get a hello? Amen. No, go to Sunday school and won't even take their Bible with them. Uh, they say, well, I got my cell phone. No, you need, a, you need a copy of the word of God. Amen. Don't be a lazy Christian. Put that Bible under your arm and go to church and let the world see you toting the Bible. Amen. So they know you're a Christian and come and put that Bible in your lap and open it. Hey, nobody died for a cell phone. I know a lot of young people think they'll die if they don't get one. But I'm telling you, nobody died for a cell phone. I'll tell you, but there's a whole lot of people died so that you and I could have a copy of the truth. If they can die for it, surely I can tote it. Amen. And you ought to carry your Bible to church and you ought to come to Sunday school and you say why? Because you ought to read what the Sunday school teacher is teaching and get something out of the service, amen? You ought to read what the preacher is preaching and get something, you say why? Because if you don't, you'll lose your cutting edge. You'll find yourself cold and indifferent just going through the motions of service. What happens? Maybe there's somebody sitting here this morning and you're a good member of this church and you tithe and you love Jesus, but you've grown cold on God. You've lost that joy, that thrill. I, you know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes people will come in and they'll join the church. This isn't true with everybody, but it is true with some. I hope it's not true with you. They'll come to church and man, they just, they can't get enough of Bible Baptist Church. Man, they, they love the singing. I even love the preaching. I can't believe that. And they love Sunday school and they love the fellowship. Man, they love everything. And they'll talk about it and they'll tell everybody about it. And they'll say it's the greatest church in the world. And I believe that. But about a year later, they're just sitting there. The thrill's gone. You gotta have something more than love in your church. Amen. Loving Christ is what keeps the cutting edge. 
I thank God for this church and I thank God for, uh, listen, what God is doing in this place, but you know as well as I do, it'd take less than 30 days for this place to fold just like any other place. Uh, but I tell you, if it folded up tomorrow, I'm not quitting, are you? Uh, I'm telling you, if everybody, uh, listen, walked away tomorrow, I'm gonna keep serving God, aren't you? Uh, because it's not about the church. Uh, it's not about the pastor. It's not about the preacher. I'm telling you, it's about him, amen? Uh, and I tell you, I don't wanna just survive in this thing as a preacher. I don't want to coast. I don't want to get in a retirement mode. I don't want to get to a place where I just think, well, we'll just ride her on out to the end. Oh no, friend. We ought to keep our foot on the accelerator until we draw our last breath and go home. I'm telling you, we ought to give God 110% every day of our life. We ought to devote every minute of every day to serving Jesus. Hallelujah. Say why? Because if we don't, we'll backslide. I think it was A.W. Tozer that said the only way to really keep from backsliding is to constantly pursue God. You say, what do you do, preacher, if you've lost that cutting edge? I want you to see three things and we'll be through. Number one, there must be a reaction. When this boy in verse 5 loses this axe head, immediately he reacts to it. Notice we see it in his panic. The Bible said he cried. Aloud, I mean, he, he he went in panic mode when he lost this when he lost this axe head. I'm telling you, uh, when a little bit of coldness gets into us, uh, it ought to it ought to cause panic in us. Amen. When we have a dead service, uh, it ought to cause panic in us. Uh, I'm telling you, when a preacher preaches a sermon and there's no touch on it, it ought to cause some panic in him. Uh, when a singer gets up and sings a song uh, and God doesn't bless it or breathe on it and they hit every note right, it ought to cause some panic. Amen. I'm telling you, if you used to say amen and you quit saying amen, it ought to cause some panic in you. I'm telling you, if you used to testify and you don't testify anymore, you ought to panic. They ought to be something. You say why? Because you're losing your cutting edge. It's seen in his preacher. Look what he said. He said, alas, master. It's interesting, he calls Elisha master because he recognizes him as the older man of God, the more seasoned man. He recognizes him as his peer, as his mentor. He looks up to the man that God has put in his life. Now, I'm not putting myself in that position. I'm just simply telling you this today, that you and I, we ought to look to men of God. We ought to look to preachers for help, amen. When they preach the word of God to us, we ought to open our ears and open our hearts we ought to give our undivided attention. Is that right? I'm telling you, listen, don't listen. Don't pull out your shopping list. Don't you get on Facebook. Somebody say it, man. Don't get on your phone, period. I'm telling you, when it's preaching time, it's time to tune in. Don't look at your clock, amen. We're done an hour ahead this day anyway, amen. Listen, don't get, don't listen, don't get distracted when God is trying to do something in your life, Amen. I see it in church a lot. People, I mean, they'll look around and you wouldn't think nobody would want to count these ceiling tiles. They, some people, I mean, they've counted every one of them. They probably know how many there is. He lost that edge. And you know who he cried out to? The man of God. It's seen in his, pre it's seen in his perspective. Look what he says to the preacher. For it was borrowed. Here's what this young man realized. It wasn't his to keep, but it sure wasn't his to lose. 
Can I tell you when God gives you and I the ability to do something, when he blesses us and touches us, I'm telling you, God's given us some things that we all, listen, they're just borrowed. They're not ours to misplace. To have a good choir is just something God has let us borrow. Amen. You say, but that's our choir. No, it's his choir. And to have a good choir, have a full choir, we got to keep it full. Can I get an amen? I mean, we got to keep it so full, amen, that, that, listen, when you get up here on a day like today when it's cool outside, you're sweating bullets up here because there's so much body heat, amen? I mean, we got to keep it packed out. How I many of y'all like a packed out choir? I mean, I like it running down the aisles, don't you? I mean, listen, we'll find a place to stick somebody. Listen, we've had people come. They say, man, you got more people in your choir than some people got in their church. I say, pray it stays that way, amen? We want the youth choir to stay full. I mean, we want to keep it packed out. Isn't that right? You say, why? Because God let us have one. He gave us a youth choir to borrow for a little while. I'm telling you, listen, some things are only for a season. I'm telling you, we better lap it up. We better let God know we appreciate it. Hey, coming to Sunday school, I believe it's important. Don't you? In an hour when a lot of people have quit having Sunday school, I'm glad we still got Sunday school. Amen? I'm glad we still got a place to come and hear the word of God and have it. Listen, you better back brother Danny up and brother David up and be faithful every Sunday in and Sunday out and don't just be faithful but be on time. Somebody say amen right there. I mean come early for Sunday school and come ready to worship and come ready to back the teacher up and bring a pencil, bring a pen listen, bring something, bring your Bible and learn something out of the word of God. Don't sit there like a knot on the log and listen sleep through Sunday school but you get something out of it. You say why? because it's just borrowed. Hey, it's not ours to keep. And if we don't watch it, we'll lose it, amen. Having a good church where people testify. Who's gonna testify next? Oh, Brother Roach used to get up here, didn't he, Brother Lady? And shout. Brother Barnes used to do it. So, well, preacher, we've always had people, yeah, but if we don't watch it, we'll lose it. It's just borrowed. God reminds me every day that I live on this earth that this pulpit's not mine, it's his. That these are not my people, they're his people. It's just borrowed. He lost what had been borrowed. Many have. I want to say there must be a reaction. Secondly, there must be a recovery. When you get to verse number six, There's a recovery. Thank God for that. Amen. And this recovery involved a preacher. The man of God said, you know, it takes preaching to recover some things, don't it? I've lost some things. There's been some things in... in my Christian life that, that maybe I got slack somewhere as I got cold and indifferent and I lost some things but you know what God had a preacher and a preacher you know what he did he got up and did what this man of God the man of God said he just got up and preached and, and preached and you know what it'll do it'll help you recover some things the Bible said and David recovered all amen I'm telling you tonight you may be here this morning and say preacher I'm not on fire like I used to be I'm not where I used to be at with God well I got good news for you you don't have to 
stay where you're at, amen. You can get out that hole you're in right now. It's not gonna take six months to do it. It won't take six weeks and it won't take six days. I'm telling you, if you'd get on this altar and sincerely say, dear God, I want revival. I'm telling you, listen, if you'll hear what the preacher is saying this morning, you can recover, hallelujah. Preaching will help you recover, won't it? Don't ever get mad at preaching. Amen, just get right. And they say that, I see that it involved a preacher, it involved a place. Look what the man of God says to him in verse six, where fell it? And he showed him the place. You know, if you're gonna recover, if you're gonna get that cutting edge back, if you're gonna get that touch back in your life, if you're gonna get that fervency back in your life, if you're gonna get that fire back in your life, you know what you gotta do? You gotta go back to the place where you left it, where you lost it. You gotta go back to the spot. This morning, you probably know if you think about it, where did you start backsliding? I don't mean geographically go back there. I mean in your mind, go back to that place. Where did it all start? And just be honest with God and and go to this place. Go down here to this place this morning. And at this place, take God back to that place in your mind and say, Lord, this is what you already know this, but I want to tell you this morning, this is where it happened. I I let this come into my life or I made this bad decision and and God, I did this and and I know I shouldn't have. And and Lord, I'm sorry. I really am sorry. And I want to repent over it. God, I want to ask you to forgive me uh, for letting this happen to me. And God, I want to ask you to help me this morning uh, to get past all this or or Lord, get this out of my life. God, this is what's robbed me of my joy. Uh, This is what's put that mercy spirit in me. Uh, This is what caused me to be bitter. God, it wasn't my fault, uh, but here's the place where I got bitter. Here's the place where I got angry. Here's the place that I got mad. Uh, And God, I can't get rid of it, but you can get it out of me. Lord, I'm just going back to that place and I'm asking you to help me this morning. You recover. I don't know why I'm on bitterness this morning, but I want to say something about it. Maybe somebody did you wrong, and that's terrible. But you're doing more wrong by holding on to it. So, Brother Gravely, you don't know what somebody, no, I don't, but I tell you, you don't know what people's done to me neither. You don't know what they've done to my wife. You don't know what they've done to my children. But I determined a long time ago, by the grace of God, I wasn't going to get bitter. You know how you get you don't get bitter? You forget about it. You said there's just some things in life you can't forget. Oh, you can give it to God. You can choose to forget. You see, my mind will recall things that I don't want to remember. And when it does, I choose not to remember that no more. The old devil brings stuff up and say, Oh, listen, you remember what they said about you? Hey, you remember what they did to your kids? Remember what they said about your children? I say, I don't remember that. No, I choose not to remember that. I say, devil, I'm not, you can go there if you want to, but I'm not camping there no more. God gave me victory over that. 
And I'm not dwelling on it. That's in the past. Hey, devil, that's under the blood. You can go there if you want to. But I'm not going there. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people. I don't know why God's got me on that this morning, but I know it's the Spirit of God. There's a lot of people holding on to a whole lot of things. I'll tell you what it's doing. It's robbing you of your joy. It's robbing you of your victory. I mean, you're just going through life holding on to something, some old grudge, and at the judgment seat, you're going to wish to God you'd have let God have it a long time ago. Hey, can I tell you, we've all done enough people wrong to put all of us in hell, amen. We've all messed up. We've all misused and abused at one time or another. I'm telling you, friend, you just gotta get over some things. You just gotta press on. We're coming to the end of this thing. I don't know about you, but I tell you, when I get to the end of this thing, man, I feel good in my soul. I'm telling you, when I get to the end of this thing, I wanna cross a finish line with victory and with joy. I don't want nothing to hold me back in this life, amen. I'll serve him, don't you? Because I love him. This morning, I wanna say it involved a place, it involved a price. That tree had to die. They cut down a stick, a sapling. Something had to die for that piece of iron to be resurrected. And can I tell you this morning, you say, preacher, I've lost that cutting edge. I'll tell you where to go. Go back to that tree. You know what Calvary will do for you this morning? It'll make you sweet again. Hey, Calvary, Calvary this morning will make you sweet. Go back to when you got saved and think about the grace of God and the mercy of God. Go back to where God found you, what you were then and where you're at now. Don't you owe everything to Jesus this morning? You think about where you was the day God saved you and the fact that he shouldn't have saved none of us. He should have let us went to hell. He'd have still been God if we'd have went to hell. He didn't have to come to where we was. They didn't have, somebody didn't have to get a burden for us. Somebody didn't have to get broken. Hey, this old boy got a burden for what was lost and he went after it, amen. And I'm gonna tell you something, somebody got a burden for me and you and went after it, amen. I'm just simply saying this morning, if you go back to Calvary and recall the day that God saved your soul and where he brought you out of, you know what that'll do? It'll stir the waters of revival in your soul once again. You say, but preacher, I've had a rough week. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. You think about it. You may have had a rough week, but you still live in America. You still heard the gospel. You're still saved by the grace of God. You still got heaven as your eternal home. I'm telling you, a bad week on this side is a whole lot better than a good week on the other side. I'm telling you, listen, I'm not lost in sin. I know where I'm leaving. If I pillow my head tonight and I don't wake up another day this side of eternity, I'm telling you the comfort, the joy, the sweetness, the peace, Oh, because of Calvary. I'm telling you, it'll help you recover. Hallelujah. It involved a price. It involved a power. The Bible said that he cast it in thither. And notice the iron swam. It did swim. It was the Lord that brought it up, wasn't it? Elisha threw that tree in, but Elisha couldn't do anything. It wasn't magic. It wasn't a hallucination. I'm gonna tell you, God... God did that. God's power. And you say, well, what's the big deal about that? I tell you the big deal about it is that the God of heaven would care enough about a little old piece of iron in the bottom of a, in the bottom of a riverbed to bring it up, that he would perform a miracle for a little old piece of iron to bring it out of the muck and mire for somebody. Isn't that something? 
that God, the God that created the whole world cares about a little piece of iron in the bottom of a river? You say, what's that got to do with anything? That the God that created this world would care about a little bus kid, would care about a drunk in a ditch, would care about a, a prostitute on the streets. I'm telling you this morning, Jesus cares. He cares for every sinner, doesn't he? You may be here this morning and be lost and you say, well, well, nobody knows me and nobody loves me. Nobody cares for me. I want to tell you, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I remember hearing the story years ago of a man who went to the edge of the Empire State Building. He's going to commit, commit suicide. And the people of New York City were so wicked that they stood around and they began to chant, jump, 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 jump. And he stood there waiting to end his life and a police officer came up behind him and said, sir, don't jump, don't jump. He said, I'm gonna jump. He said, he said nobody cares about me. He said, nobody in this world has ever loved me. He said, I, he said, I was an orphan child growing up. He said, even my, my adopted parents did not want me. Nobody cares for me. He's a grown man. And that police officer looked at him and he said, Sir, he said, me and my wife could never have children. And he said, if you'll step across that, from that, away from that ledge and come here, he said, me and my wife said, we'll love you. He said, we'll care for you. And said, in fact, we'll adopt you. And it was recorded that that officer adopted that man as his own son and loved him. I'm going to tell you, there was a day in my life when I was standing at the edge. You were standing at the edge. And the demons of hell were crying, jump, jump, jump. We were, we were one step away from death and hell. I'm telling you, I'm glad one day somebody reached out a hand and said, I love you and I'll save you. You don't have, I thank God I got adopted in the family of God. I'm telling you this morning, listen, Calvary will bring you back. It'll put the cutting edge in your life. It'll put joy in your heart. Hallelujah. Serving Jesus is a whole lot better when you do it because you love him. Then I was saying, closing, there must be a reaching out. Look at verse number seven. Therefore said he, take it up to thee. And he put out his hand and he took it. The instruction is to take it up. The independence is that this man had to reach out for himself and lay hold of it. You know, this morning, they can't nobody make you get right with God. You can go to a good church. You can hear good singing. And the preacher can preach his heart out. They can't nobody make you get right with God. You're going to have to listen. If you want to get closer to God this morning, you're going to have to reach out for it yourself. There was a miracle in that water. That iron came to the top. Boy, that's a miracle, isn't it? Can I tell you something? That miracle would have been in vain had that man not reached out and grabbed hold of it. And you can be in a good church, you can be around the Spirit of God and good singing and good preaching, but listen to me. If you don't reach out and get a hold of it, I'm telling you, friend, it won't do you no good. I've watched people sit in churches like this all their life and never get right with God. 
junkyard mean? The meanest people I've ever met were not, it wasn't a biker. Oh, no. I've been to prison. Hey, the meanest people I met wasn't in prison. Can you believe that? You know the meanest people you're ever going to meet? Somebody saved, but they're not right with God. Because they're miserable. They're so miserable. I wonder if I'm looking at anybody this morning. You're miserable. Hey, I want you to know I love you this morning. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I don't want you to stay that way. And you don't have to. But you're going to have to reach out and get a hold of it yourself. God can do a miracle right in front of your eyes, but if you don't get a hold of it, you'll go home the same way you came. I'll never forget, there was one one night. Y'all remember that night at Jubilee? Right here in this building. Brother Bo Wagner preached. He preached on hell and 15 people got saved. Y'all remember that? Could you believe when we closed, I mean when the final amen, I mean Brother God moved in this place, didn't he? Preached about 20 minutes on hell and 15 people got saved. And I'm telling you, as soon as that amen was said, they was, they was a woman standing right there when I turned around. She's right there in my face. She's saved as far as I know. She was right there in my face and she was just going at it. And I took one step back and I said, time out. She stopped. I said, did you not see anything that just went on here? I said, you sat in all this glory with that kind of spirit about you? I said, you need to get right with God. And Brother Lyle turned around and walked off. I didn't say that to be mean. That's what she needed. Hey, I thank God for been a few times a preacher got in my face. Ain't no preacher worth his salt loves that. He don't want to never do that. I'll tell you, been a few times a man of God got in my face. And I'll tell you, I just crumbled. I needed it. Don't you thank God for that? I tell you, I feel a burden this morning. Somebody here this morning, why don't you get right with God? We'd like to see somebody get saved. But I tell you what might be holding us back, some backslider. Won't you get on this altar this morning? Get right with God as we stand. Hey, why don't you come? Get your cutting edge back. Get your song back. Get your shout back. Get your fire back. Why don't you come this morning and get back in that place where you used to be when you was happy and you had your joy. Get your joy back. It's been so long since you had some joy. Won't you get it back? You, I know you've been through hard times and I tell you my heart breaks for some of you this morning. It really. I, some of you faced harder times than I've ever thought about going through. Don't let it rob you of the most important thing. The joy of the Lord, that's our strength. You gotta have that. And God will help you this morning. He'll help you if you'll just let him. I promise you, as Brother Sam sings, you come on this morning. Come on.